nothing wasted. And so it's an honor to be able to be behind this sacred desk this morning and bring the word of God to you today. Again, we want to welcome you, welcome each and every one of you today, and thanks for coming uh, to Elm Grove this morning. And we hope you're, you're blessed. We'll try to have you out of here by 2 o'clock. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. We're always out by 1. Uh, <laughs> Whenever we were moving to Sealing from Enid, right at a year ago now, it's been right at a year, last October, uh, we were going through things in our garage, uh, trying to decide what to keep with us, what to put in storage, what to sell, and what to trash. Four piles. What to go, what to sell, what to store, what to trash. In the back corner of our garage there in Enid was a crib that we had used for gentry. Gentries are now two-year-old and I immediately put that crib uh, in the cell stash <laughs> immediately because we're done okay after four kids we got this thing figured out we know what's causing this <laughs> just being honest but we decided we're going to put that back in the cell area we're done it was too nice to trash uh, we didn't know anyone that we could just give it to, and so we're going to try to sell it. Well, my little sweetheart of a princess, Josie, who's six years old now, she was standing there, and she noticed what stack it was in. And she came up to me, and she said, Dad, you can't get rid of that. And I said, I think we are. And she goes, no, you can't. She goes, what if we need it for another baby? And I said, honey, we got this figured out. We're not having another baby. Mom and Dad were done, okay, finished, complete. It's finished, right? Tell I, tell us I, right? We're done. And Joseph said, well, Dad, you don't know that. Maybe God wants you to have another baby. And remember, he's God. He's big, and he can do anything he wants to do. <laughs> Today, as we talk, I want you to keep that innocent faith of a six-year-old in the forefront of your heart right now. That we serve a God who's great, who's big, and can do anything he wants to do. We serve a great big God. You ever heard the story of Abraham and Sarah? <laughs> How many of you want that anointing on your life today? Yeah, No takers at all. I don't want to be 90 and pregnant. I understand. As a man, I don't want to be pregnant. <laughs> That may make us a lot of money, but <laughs> that'd be weird. Now, moving on. How I many know everybody deals with loss in their life? Everybody deals with loss. No matter who you are, we all lose things. And I'm not talking about your keys or your wallet. And, but how I many you know that's frustrating in and of itself, just to lose that, just to misplace those things? I hate it when that happens. I, I, I can't stand it. But I'm talking about losses in your life that that impact you in, in a great way, losses that impact you emotionally, like when someone that you love passes away, or when you've been at your job and you get passed over for promotion, or a divorce, or some type of medical issue now leaves you immobile, some type of health issue now disables you, and this wasn't something that you expected, you weren't prepared for this everybody deals with losses in their life and everyone in here has dealt with a loss of some sort money doesn't make you immune to loss 
Good looks doesn't make you immune to loss. I wouldn't know that one. A high IQ doesn't make you immune to loss. Loss is a part of life. It means change. Sometimes it means pain. And it comes in all shapes and sizes. There's different types of loss. There's different kinds of loss that we face in life. Some loss that we face is just, uh, for lack of a better terminology, just failures in life. And this is when we make the wrong choices and when we mess up, when we, when we fail. Adam and Eve, they're the perfect examples of this. If anybody in the Bible ever dropped the ball, ever fumbled the ball, boy, was it Adam, right? We can go back to him. We can blame it all on Adam. God gave Adam the, the ball and the history riding on his next move. He fumbled. He failed. And through sinning, he made the wrong choice. And as a result, Adam lost intimacy with God. He lost the privilege of living in the Garden of Eden. He lost that special intimacy with his wife as well. They lost that res- his wife lost the respect for him. And John Milton sums it up this way in two words, paradise lost. John, uh, Genesis 3.23 says this. It says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove man out. Sometimes the loss that we experience in life is our own fault. How many of you have ever experienced loss in your life and it's just your own ignorance? Your own, I, come on, I've, I've been there. I've been there. You've made decisions, you've made choices, and you're like, mm, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have had pizza at midnight. Right? Now I'm up all night long. Right? We just make bad choices. Some, some losses are not failures in life. Some are just the facts of life. I remember that. TV show. Great. Oh, three of us. All right. When I, uh, I'm trying to think how to put this delicately. Aging is just a fact of life, right? Now, now come on. Hang on with me here. We all age. Now, we can make better health choices and we can diminish the effects of aging. I understand that. I'm still reading on that to see if I want to do that or not. But we, but we don't stop it. We can't stop it. This became very apparent to me this past summer. We were in ceiling, and we were after youth group one Wednesday night. It was in July. We had a park night, so we all went down to the park, and we had to cook out the park with the youth, and we were playing basketball and different things down there. And So I decided, you know, I'm going to mix it up with these students. I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to play basketball too because that's what I did in high school, and and um, here in Sealing, we know basketball is king. And so if I can show them what a man I am on the court, maybe they'll have a little bit more respect for me, right? Well, I'm 37 years old now. But in my mind, I'm still 17. I'm, uh, I graduate high school about 140 pounds. Uh, I'm between 200 and 300 pounds now. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm still 140. Come on, somebody. That's right. If you slice me in half, I'm about 140. And in my mind, I could still jump as high as I could when I was 140. And so we're out there mixing it up, and uh, some of our high school students, some of our junior high students are out there, and, and I got the ball, and I'm taking it to the hole, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing well, and I know it's one of the guys coming over at me, and I'm like, I got this. His name is Trent. Trent's a little bit taller than me. Uh, Trent can jump a little bit higher than me now. 
Uh, he's about six foot eight. <laughs> Give or take a few inches. I don't know how high he can jump, but I know how high I can jump. When I was 17 and 140 pounds, I could dunk a ball. And in my mind, I could still do that. And I haven't tried this in 20 years, but in my mind, I still got hops. Right? And so I go up, and I'm taking the ball, and I'm right there at the rim with Trent. All right, we're right at the net. All right, we're about two inches off the ground. And Trent comes, and he swats that thing all the way to Russia. In fact, CNN's doing an investigation. They think Trump sent it, <laughs> you know? But my body has slowed down, and I realized that. I was like, man, I didn't even touch the net. What's wrong with you, right? How'd you get here? My body slowed down just a little bit. I got this color that's showing up in my, in my beard, and it's showing up in my hair a little bit. I don't know what color it is. It's called wisdom, I guess. I used to be able to stay up all night long, and the next day be just fine. I could do that two or three nights in a row. And now, man, I, I find myself dragging when I have a late, late night the next morning. I, does anyone else grunt when they get out of bed in the morning? <laughs> Sound like Tim the Toolman Taylor? <laughs> oh, right? That's, that's me. Takes a bit, little bit longer to mow the yard than it used to. Anybody else have a clue what I'm talking about? Right. Anybody get out of breath when you tie your shoes? You got, you got to take a five-minute break. That's one. Whew, right? There was an 80-year-old woman who was walking down Main Street in her hometown one evening when she heard a low voice say, Hey, lady. She looked around and to see who was talking, but she, she looked around she didn't see anybody, so she just shrugged it off and continued walking on down the street. Before she got five feet farther, she heard the voice again, Hey, lady. Once again, she looked around, didn't see nothing, and thought, what in the world? Someone's talking to me. Then she started to take a step, and as she started to take a step, she looked down, and she noticed there was a frog sitting there at her feet. And she looked down at the frog, and the frog said, hey, lady. And she kind of startled a little bit, and he said, can you please help me? Well, the elderly woman, she was shocked at first. She picked up the little frog, and she asked him what he needed, and the frog proceeded to tell her that he was actually a handsome young prince, had been turned into a frog. And all the lady had to do was give him a kiss. He had turned back into a handsome prince, and then he would stay married for her forever, be eternally grateful. Well, the woman thought about it for a moment, then quietly slipped the frog back into her purse. And she walked away, she muttered to herself, at my age, I'll have more fun with a talking frog. (laughs) So... Some losses are just failures in life, our own mistakes. Some are just the facts of life. But what do I do when I'm facing these losses in my life? How do I, how do I handle these losses? How do I deal with that? As someone who believes in God and wants to follow the Lord Jesus, how can he help me get through these moments? Well, we're going to talk about that here for the next just few minutes. Look at... Well, when we look at God, I'm going to ask you to first do this. Ask God to help replace your pain 
with a sense of gain. Ask God to help replace your pain with a sense of gain. One of the toughest things we go through a loss is the way it affects us emotionally. Now, when a doctor comes in and says, hey, we, we found a spot and we need to take a look at it. And then when he comes back and says, hey, the, the tests have come back positive. We need a, we need a game plan. When, uh, when the boss says, we've got to make some cuts, unfortunately, your job is one that's being cut. When the supervisor comes by and says, we've decided to promote someone else in the position that you've applied for. It's a position you've worked your tail off for. Or when your boss, when your spouse comes in, spouse, boss, same thing, uh, <laughs> walks to the door and says, I can't do this anymore. I want out. When your son, your daughter, the one that you know you raised in the house of God, the one you know you poured the word of God into. And when they're making decisions, they're just reckless and careless. And you think to yourself, I didn't raise you in this manner. What's going on? How do we deal? It feels like someone has kicked us in the stomach. It feels like someone has kicked us in the gut. It feels like our world is spinning. And we're not here to minimize that pain because the pain that we feel in those moments is real. It's real. But even bigger than the pain is a God who wants to take the pain from you. Even bigger than the pain. In these low moments of our life, we discover how real our God is and how awesome he is. See, God specializes in turning pain into gain. He specializes in turning crucifixions into resurrections. That's what he does. And in Psalm 30, verse 2 and 11, it says this. It says, oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. You've turned my mourning into dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. As David is writing here, the author David, he's writing the psalm, and David was going through, through the loss of his health. He was going through, through a, a very a rough time in his life as his health was diminishing. And David said, God, you've turned my mourning into joyful dancing. David said, God, you want to replace my pain with a sense of gain. How can we do that? How can we let God replace our pain with a sense of gain? Well, first of all, we've got to ask God to erase the pain of the memories. Now, I want you to hear me on this. Your mind, your brain, okay, that God gave you, it is more powerful than the best computer that's coming out online right now. See, that fly is even enjoying this message. He wants to get as close as he can. Your brain is more powerful than the best computer coming out online right now. Your mind stores information at rates and speeds that outpace the newest computer coming off the line right now. Your mind will. And it's because we have these incredible minds that we offer suffer from memories that cause us pain. It, it might be a smell. I know the other day when I was downtown ceiling, I was walking uh, downtown and uh, um, there was one of these things come by that, that with a, a cattle truck. Anyone ever know? Yeah. And this cattle truck comes by, and I mean this fresh heavenly potpourri filled the town, right? And, and as I'm sitting there and as I'm walking, it passes by, and I get a big whiff of this, you know, potpourri. 
And, I, and it immediately takes me back. It takes me back to the other side of, of the cattle barn at Pittsburgh, uh, in, in Pittsburgh County, at the Pittsburgh County Fairgrounds. It took me back right then in that moment. It's like I was standing on the other side of the, of, of, of the cattle barn there at the, at the fairgrounds, clipping and washing and, and, and grooming my steers and my heifers, getting them ready uh, for the county, uh, for, for the fair or for, for a livestock show. I mean, just, just, just that smell, just... Takes me back. You know what I'm talking about? Just, it doesn't have to be a smell. It might be a sound. It might be a song. There's certain songs now that I hear and songs just take me back. Songs that were played at my mother's funeral or my father's funeral. Songs that were played at my grandparents' funeral. Songs that, that were special. Songs that they're special to me and Jen. And, and when I hear them, it takes me back to the days that, you know, she loved me. And, she still does, still does. I remind her every morning too. But it just takes you back, takes you back, flashes up a memory in your mind. But how many know some of those memories you'd rather forget? Some of those smells you'd rather forget. Some of those songs you'd rather forget. Some of those hurts, come on, you'd rather forget. If anyone knew about the painful memory of loss, it was a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph dealt with the pain of loss. So he was sold into slavery by his brothers, wrongfully accused of rape, sent to jail unjustly, finally to be noticed by Pharaoh. Loss after loss after loss. Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. He was 30 when he became number two in command under Pharaoh. For 13 years, he experienced loss after agonizing loss one bad experience after another. Yet listen to what he says as his two sons are being born. In Genesis 41, 51, Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Hear that. Joseph said, God, we are naming our older son Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. And you say, Jared, is this really possible? Well, obviously Joseph didn't forget the troubles because he talked about it. What he's saying here is God has helped me to get rid of the sting, the pain of that trouble. It's not that God's going to erase your memory. How many of you seen the movie Men in Black? You've seen it where they you know, look into the light and you know, now you don't remember anything, right? Wouldn't that be cool to have one of those devices you know, you say something stupid to your spouse. Oh, sorry, honey, just look into the slack. Okay, good. We're going to go back. Well, some of you take advantage of that. I know you would. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to say whatever I want to. Then bring out the light, right? But you, is this really possible? Joseph says, listen, I still have the memory. But now the pain, the sting of that memory, it's gone. God made me not forget the memory, but forget how it makes me feel. I don't feel that way anymore. I've, I've, through God, I've, I've let it go. When I do think about it, it doesn't have the sting. It doesn't have the, the pain. It's gone. The power of that loss no longer has any presence in my life. There's a story in the Bible. We're going to be talking about this next week, but I want to hit it right here real quick. There's a story in the Bible about the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all remember these guys? We learned this in kids' church. They were thrown in the fiery furnace by old King Nebuchadnezzar. 
King Nebi, he, his men made a statue that was 90 feet high. And he wanted everyone to bow and to worship the statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they would not bow. And so King Nebuchadnezzar had his men throw him into the fiery furnace. Then he had the fiery furnace heated up seven times because they got a little lippy with him. Right? Remember that? They said, we don't care what you do. We will not bow. And then so they throw him into the fiery furnace. And as they throw him into the fiery furnace, it was so hot that the men who threw him in, you know, they were, they were killed. But the King Nebuchadnezzar steps over, and as he looks at the bottom of the fire furnace, and he's looking up, he sees that now there's not just three men, but now there's fourth men. There's one, and he says, he makes this comment, one that appears like a, the, the appearance of the Son of God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus showed up in the Old Testament, yeah. right? And so here, the King Nebuchadnezzar says, bring those guys out. So they bring those guys out. And the Bible, is, it, it tells us that their hair was not singed, their clothes were not burned, and then it takes it one step further. I want you to catch this. It says not only that, but it says that there was not even the smell of smoke on their body. It takes it a step farther. There was not even the smell of smoke on their body. Now, why did the Bible go into that? Why did it tell us there was not even the smell of smoke on their body? Can I just be real with you? Too many of us smell like what we just come out of. I'll try this side. Too many of us smell like what we come out of. We smell like the hurt. We smell like the pain. We smell like the bitterness. We smell like the jealousy. We smell like the reject. Come on, somebody. We smell like what we come out of. And God said, I don't want you going through life smelling what I brought you out of. I can't take you into your destiny until you get that smell off your soul. I can't take you where I want you to go with you carrying that in your life. We got to get the smell off your body. We got to get the smell off your life. Stop rehearsing the pain of yesterday and look to what I have for you for tomorrow. Woo! That's good stuff, then, Floyd. But for too many of us, we go around smelling like what we come out of. Oh, oh, do do I want to go here? We go into the next relationship smelling like the hurt of the past relationship. And we don't even give. Oh. I'll move on. Y'all come back next week. You can't walk through life smelling like every trial that you've come out of. You can't walk through life smelling like every fire that you come out of. In the words of a Disney princess, let it go. <laughs> Man, I'll sing and dance if you want me to. Let it go. Joseph gave, God gave Joseph in his place. Notice what God gave Joseph in his place. Genesis 41, 52 says, Joseph named his second son Ephraim. For he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my grief. Woo! God has made me fruitful. In this thing that used to hurt me so bad, God has now made me fruitful in that place. I'm no longer rehearsing that, but now I'm living for what God has before me. God's replaced Joseph's grief with a sense of pain. God's taken away the pain of those earlier memories 
and in their place he's put satisfaction and appreciation for the blessings that are present and Joseph looked down at his two little sons and all that God did for him and he said in the words of God it is good it is good have you ever asked God not to erase the memory but God can you take away the pain can you take away the pain I'm closing with this not only ask God to take away the pain but we ask God to restore the wasted years we ask God to restore the wasted years you ever look back at periods in your life and wonder if you wasted them did I waste those years have you ever had a conversation like this what are you doing I'm just killing time Anyone ever had one of those conversations? Studies on salary.com and the American Online Survey says Americans waste more than two hours a day at work, costing companies $759 billion a year. The top wasting time activities. Anyone know what number one is? You just want to take a guess. That's right. Who said Facebook? That's right. Facebook or Internet, browsing, surfing the web. 44.7% of the people who surveyed said that they waste more than two hours a day online. That's crazy to me. Socializing with other coworkers, that's 23.4%. Conducting personal business, 6.8%. Spacing out, 3.9%. Running errands off-premises, 3.1%. But what if you're the kind of person who looks back over your life and you see a lot of wasted time? You see some wasted days. You see some wasted years. What if you say, I haven't used my time very wisely for the Lord up to this point? What about you? What do we do? Well, in Joel 2.25, it says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts. He covers all the locusts, the chocolate locusts, the peanut butter-covered locusts, all the locusts. My great army, which I sent you. God was talking to the Israelites, and God's people had suffered a lot. They'd suffered complete destruction and devastation of their entire harvest through the swarms of these locusts. These locusts have marched in like an army through the fields, and they destroyed their crops. And as they went, the word of God says that they multiplied in their number for four consecutive years, four years in a row. We can kind of get a feel of this out here where we're at. But for four consecutive years, those locusts swept through the fields and completely wiped out their crop. Not a single crop. The Israelites were unable to grow fruit. They were unable to grow vegetables. They were not able to grow uh, whatever it was they were productive in. They couldn't do it. The the locusts just devoured it. And at one point, God comes to them and says, I'm going to restore to you the lost years, the lost lost productivity, and the lost income. I'm going to restore that to you. Dave Wilkerson, he writes this. He says, in my final days, in his final days, Paul, he looks back over his life and he testifies, I've fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, now I have a crown of righteousness awaiting for me. He continues to write, David Wilkerson does, for Paul's testimony, for weeks I thought about that and it absolutely pierced my soul. Something I I couldn't shake nagged at my heart. In prayer I confess, Lord, I don't think I can say what Paul said. Perhaps I could about my first 15 years and maybe the last 10. But there's a gap in those middle years 
in which I sense wasted months, maybe even wasted years, that that period was not a time of deep, dark sin, but it was a time of coasting. It was a time that I was not at my best for Jesus. Can anyone here relate? If I could be transparent and honest with you today, I look back over some of the years of my life. I'm 37 now, and I look back over some precious years and hours that I forfeited. That I forfeited with my marriage. That I forfeited with my kids. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm happily, happily married today. And happily married to the same woman for 16 years. And that's awesome. And we're in more in love today than we ever have been. Just ask her. I told her to tell you. <laughs> but there were years that I've had to go back, and there's, I've, I've had to ask Jen to forgive, to forgive me. For years that I put our ministry ahead of our marriage. For years I put our church in front of our kids. Years that I was there for everyone else but I wasn't there for my family. And, uh, and it's, it's pretty humbling. I was not the husband, I was not the father. That should have been. And now I got a son that's 15, a daughter that's 12, that thinks she's 21. No, she's 13 now, never mind. Goodness gracious. A daughter that's six and thinks she's 13. A daughter that's two, and she don't even know what to think. She tells us what to think. But I go back, and you, you don't have do-overs. You can't go back. But you can ask God, restore. Restore. And that was a part of the process of coming here. Is our asking God to restore. Because I know, like me, some maybe even here this morning can look back with regret over wasted years that's been eaten away. A businessman that was in our church in Sepulpa threw away years by drinking, drug abusing. He was an adulterer. He left his wife for weeks at a time. He's a man that was driven by greed and by lust. But today, man, that guy's on fire for God. That guy's growing in Christ, and he's trying to make up that wasted years. But you talk to him today, and he still feels the shame of those wasted years. He still feels the regret of that. But everybody down low now? Everybody, man, I feel like a dirty dog. Let me lift you up. Let me lift you up to a prize pig. God makes this incredible promise. God says, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. I'll restore it to you. The New American Standard says this, I will make up to you the years that have been eaten. How in the world can God do this? Well, normally you and I, we are, we're, we're limited by time, but God's not limited by time because he invented it. He knows it. For example, at one point in Israel's history, oh, you're going to catch this, and we're going to be shouting, waving hankies, and doing a Jericho march here in just a second, all right? 
For example, at one point in Israel's history, God instituted a rule. He told them that they would plant their fruits and their vegetables for six years. And then every seventh year, they would not do any work during that entire seventh year. So they would work six years off one year. Work six years off one year. And in Leviticus, God answers one of their questions. In Leviticus 25, verse 20 through 22, it says, But you might ask, what will we eat during the seventh year, since we're not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year? Be assured that I will send my blessing for you in that sixth year, so the land will produce a crop large enough for three years when you plant your field in the eighth year you'll still be eating on the large crop of the sixth year in fact you will still be eating from that large crop when the new crop is harvested in the ninth year God only has to speak and he can make up for lost time he can make up for lost years do you believe that he can make up for wasted years in your life do you believe that nothing is wasted when you put it in the hands of God nothing's wasted Nothing's wasted. God can restore by multiplying your fruitfulness. Think back to Joel again, the harvesters, the, the harvest of the locusts today. The harvest for these people had been wiped out for four years, but God restored the years that the locusts had eaten by giving bumper harvest. The provision makes me think about the parable when Jesus said, talked about a harvest that would bring 30, 60, or 100 fold. There is a huge difference in, three, in, in, in one decade at 30 fold, but just three years at 100 fold. God can make up for wasted years. If you'll just give it to him, if you'll turn it to him, you'll say, God, in my marriage, God, in my family, God, in our ministry, God, in our church, God, where I'm serving, I know I haven't done right, but God, if you'll take me and you'll make me and you'll help me, God, I want to help you, and together we're going to make up for all these wasted years that the locusts have tried to eat in my life. Woo! Amen. So why not ask him to do this? Have the locusts ate too much? Have the locusts ate too much? Man, I'm closing. I promise, this is closing. Closing. We gotta skip some things here. Oh, that's good. Okay, we'll start right here. Isaiah. There'll be an after party where I share everything that I didn't share if you want to come back. Isaiah 53, verse 8. It says, he was cut off, talking about Jesus. He was cut off, cut out of the land of the living. Okay? Now here's the Lord Jesus in the prime of his life. And Isaiah prophesies this. He was three years into his ministry at 33 years old. You would think that a man launching a new enterprise at 33 has everything in front of him. But Isaiah says he was cut off. He was cut off because he come under judgment of God. Not for his own sin, but for my sin and for your sin. Our grief, our sin, our sorrow was laid on him. And our judgment fell on him. Our locusts swarmed all over him. The life of God's harvest was cut off. But then on the third day, (laughs) oh, it's not Easter, but I'm going to go here. On the third day, the Son of God rose in power and rose in eternal life. And he offers himself to you and says what no one else can say today, I can restore wasted years. I can give it to you. Choose your faith. Don't lose your faith. 
these moments can either cheapen your faith or deepen your faith. And in Paul, Paul says this, Philippians 3, I'm closing, I'm closing. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things that are before. I press toward the mark of the prize that I call in Christ Jesus. Forget the past and press on and forward. Satan's favorite harassment is to bring up all your old skeletons out of your closet to try to scare you. He loves Halloween 365 days a year. That's what he wants to do. He'll try to persuade you that an old issue is just going to keep rising up. You're never going to get past that. And he wants to bring back the devourers. In God's eyes, your past is a dead issue. It's gone. Ask God what he thinks about your past. He'll tell you, I don't know. I don't remember it. As far as east is from west, he remembers our sin no more. We're good at remembering it. Facebook can bring up a one-year memory and help us remember it. <laughs> oh, I'm about to shundai the place down. God says this, forget the past and press on in to what I have for you. Let me restore your wasted years. Let me erase the pain of those memories and let me restore the wasted years. Do you believe he can do it? Yes. If you believe he can do it, come on, stand your feet right now. How many this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed? You would say, Pastor Jared, man, this is, this is for me. I've got memories. I've got memories that right now that are painful. And God's not trying to diminish. We're not trying to diminish the pain. We know you've walked through some hurtful, hurtful stuff. but you don't have to carry it with you for the rest of your life. You don't have to smell like that for the rest of your life. That's what's so awesome about our God. He wants to take that from your life. This morning, maybe there's just a stinging memory. Just a stinging memory. And today you're saying, God, help me. I don't want to smell like this the rest of my life. I want to be done with it. I don't let this affect my future. I want to be done with it. If that's you, will you slip your hand up right now? Yeah, yeah, yes. Maybe you're here this morning those wasted years you look back at those wasted years man I look back I look back now not with shame or regret because I've given those to God I look back now and I just remember I'm not making that same mistake again and I'm believing God to restore restore in my life that's you. Will you slip your hand up right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father, in Jesus' name, 
God, I come before you and I lift every hand that was raised, every person who responded. God, you see the need, you see the situation. God, you see what's going on in their life. And God, you see, you see for some the hurt, the hurt of those memories. God, you see the way it's affected. God, you see the way that the enemy has used that to just drag them down and, and, and do his very best to draw them away from your plan and your purpose and your position in their life. And so this morning, God, I'm just asking, Holy Spirit, would you just touch them right now? Would you minister to them right now? God, as they raise that hand, they say, God, take it. God, take it. I don't want to walk through this life smelling like this anymore. God, take it. God, we know you're faithful. We know you're powerful. We know you're awesome. So this morning, I thank you. I thank you for the freedom that they're finding through your word today. And God, for those who raise their hand, they say, God, there's, there's wasted years in my life. God, there's, there's wasted years, wasted months, wasted seasons. And God, I don't want to walk like this anymore. I want purpose. I want meaning. God, I want hope. God, I pray that you would just, you, you would just overwhelm them right now. God, I pray that you would just lift them up and encourage them and God, just like you spoke to Joel, and just like you spoke to Isaiah, and just like you spoke to Jeremiah, Father, that today they would know that you're going to make up for those wasted years. God, that nothing, nothing placed in your hands is wasted. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for the heart and the soul of this church. God, I thank you for the heart and soul of our people. And God, I thank you that, God, that you're doing a special work in our life today. And God, we're not going to carry our past into our future. But we're going to go free. And we're going to live free. And we're going to worship free. And we're going to serve free. And we're going to witness free. And we're going to know the power of an almighty God so that we can extend that same grace and that same power to those who you bring in our path. And so, Father, we ask you for all these things today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout it. Amen. Amen. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together this morning.